0: pray with me heavenly father i bless you and i thank you this morning for the good good fathers in this congregation i thank you for the ways that they pour out strength and encouragement and teaching for their children i thank you for my own good father who could see beyond himself to encourage me and to teach me how to worship And I especially pray this day, Lord, for the women in Gatesville who are worshiping you. I ask that they would know love and peace that's undeniable. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning, as we continue to talk about hospitality, we're in the New Testament book of Romans. And we're in the 15th chapter of Romans, so it's toward the end of that book. Uh, the passage of scripture for this morning begins with verse seven, and it's an important passage of scripture in the book of Romans. And we can tell that because Paul repeats himself here. What he says in the first six verses of chapter 16, he says again, beginning in verse seven. I don't know about at your house, but we sometimes do that at our house when we want to say something really important, like go to bed. <laughs> We repeat it a few minutes later. I said, go to bed. That's what Paul is doing here. He's repeating himself. It might help you to know that Paul is going to quote from the Old Testament. The Hebrew Bible can be divided up into three kinds, types of scripture. There's the law and the writings and the prophets. And so in this passage of Scripture, when he's quoting from the Old Testament, he quotes from each of those three kinds, each of those three types of Scripture. He quotes from Deuteronomy, he quotes from the Psalms, and he quotes from Isaiah. It's as if he is saying, all of the Hebrew Bible supports me in what I want to teach you. His instructions are particular to a specific group, the outsiders, the Gentiles. And so six times in seven verses, you're going to hear the word Gentile. Okay, so beginning with verse 7 in chapter 15 of Romans, this is the scripture. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles and Him, the Gentiles, shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a friend that I can count on. When we see each other, she always gives me a cue. It looks like this. And what she's saying basically to me is, this is your place right here with me in her embrace. I hope that you have a friend like that. The instruction in our passage of scripture is this. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. In the mid-16th century, John Calvin, who was a church reformer, wrote, Hospitality has ceased to be properly observed. It's unknown to us. Ends, as in hotels, ends now supply the accommodations of strangers. When I was looking for books on hospitality for this sermon series, Much of what turned up in my Amazon search was about the hospitality industry. So it was about hotels and restaurants, and there were a few recipe books for entertaining friends and families. Christine Pohl, who is a professor at Asbury Seminary, says that there were three things that worked together to make hospitality an important practice for the earliest Christians. And I want you to think about these three things as we continue on in our sermon series for the next four weeks. The, first, things that the Christ, first thing that the Christians did together that promoted hospitality was that they shared meals. So they ate together around a table. This was a practice that allowed the earliest Christians to break through cultural barriers so the Jews and the Gentiles and the rich and the poor and the men and the women, they all ate together. And what was important to eating together around the same table was that equal recognition, equal respect was given to every person who was sitting there. The second place that hospitality flourished was when Christians traveled. And they traveled much in those early years of the church, the gospel spread as Christians opened their homes and offered shelter to those who were traveling. Through this practice, the church met the needs of their traveling missionaries. They met the needs of their own leaders, and they met the needs of the poor in their community. So they ate together. They sheltered one another. And then the third thing is that they worshiped together. And where they worshiped, was in one another's homes. So as they worshiped together in the homes, they came up with this thought, with this idea that they were family to each other. So then hospitality flourished, and hospitality blessed those who participated around the table in homes where shelter was provided and when people worshiped together. Both the person who was... The guest and the person who was the host both were blessed. In the early 5th century, there was a man named John Chrysostom, and he encouraged his parishioners and his church to continue hospitality, even though it might seem that it was no longer necessary because there were such a thing at that time as hospitals that the church should continue to offer hospitality to one another because hospitality has benefits for the Christian host, he said. He wrote, if another man prays, does it not follow that you are also bound to pray? Does it follow if one man prays that you don't have to pray? No, that's not the case. We pray each individually because it deepens our faith. And for the same reason we offer hospitality to one another. We offer hospitality because it's a practice that deepens our faith. The instruction that Paul gives to the Romans is this. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. I went to the grocery store this week at a time that I don't usually go. I went on a weeknight about 7.30 p.m., I didn't see any of my friends at that time in the grocery store. I guess they were all at home preparing meals for their family, or they were out having dinner with their friends. But I did see one woman there, one woman who at 730 at night was still in heels and slacks. Her hair was disheveled. She looked spent. I think it had been a long day. Surely Paul is not suggesting That I would offer hospitality to her. She's busy. She's tired. She keeps to herself and does her own thing. John's gospel says that Jesus was traveling. Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And he stopped in Samaria. He sat down by a well about noon. And a Samaritan woman came at noon to draw water. Jesus asked her for a drink and then he in response offered this woman living water so that she would never thirst. Living water that would spring up to eternal life. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Sometimes, sometimes I'm with religious people. Well actually it's probably most of the time I'm with religious people. But you know the type. You know the type. They're very interested in keeping scripture and doing things right and living the right way. I don't know about you, but I often find that religious people aren't open to new ideas. They have their own way. It's the right way. They aren't looking for me to welcome them. If they're looking for anything from me, it's uh, for a challenge. There was a Pharisee. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, John's gospel says. And he said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one who could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. How can this be? Jesus said, To Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher. Believe God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Miroslav Wolf, who is a theologian, wrote this. The will to give ourselves to others and to welcome them is prior to any judgment about them. Any judgment that we might have about them except their own humanity. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. I'm tired. I work long days. I work long days following the ways of Jesus and trying to do the tasks that are ahead of me in a manner that honors God. There are so many people with so many needs. We live in San Antonio, and I know that need doesn't end. Surely Paul isn't thinking that we should welcome crowds of people here at our church. The apostles gathered around Jesus, and they told Jesus all that they had taught and all that they had done. And Jesus said to them, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. So the apostles went. But many who saw them leave, many who saw the apostles leave, they recognized them and they went ahead of the disciples to the place where they were going. When Jesus saw the crowds there, he had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them. Jesus taught them, and then he said to his disciples, give these people something to eat. Five loaves and two fish, said 5,000 people. There's a difference. There's a difference between entertainment and hospitality, and sometimes I get this confused. Entertainment creates an impression of perfect people in a perfect home. But hospitality, hospitality is where we extend ourselves. We extend ourselves without having everything all put together. We say to someone, come on in. Come on in just as this place is and just as we are. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Here's the thing. Not everyone is looking for hospitality for me. I'm old enough and I've lived long enough to know that some people just don't like me. They avoid me. They no longer have any need for me or even notice me. Jesus said this. A man had two sons. The younger son took his inheritance before the father died. And he left. After he spent everything, he decided to travel back home and to ask the father to beg the father to let him live there like one of the servants. While he was still a long way off, his father ran to him. His father ran to him and threw his arms around him. And he said, bring the best robe that we have and put it on this son. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Theologian Henry Nowen suggests that hospitality is the antidote to loneliness. And we know loneliness. Loneliness has deep roots and it grows in the suspicion that no one would ever offer love without conditions. But Jesus taught this to his followers. The Father offers love without conditions, love that is ready to welcome back whenever. When we profess Christianity as true, we are claiming as followers of Christ that in the world's experience of Christ, God became human. God gave up divine power to take on earthly limitations. Those limitations for Jesus involved both suffering and sacrifice. The week before Jesus' death, Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. And then he turned and he also saw a poor widow And that poor widow put two copper coins into the treasury. Jesus said to those who were listening, Truly I tell you, the poor widow has put more in than all of them. For they contributed from their abundance, but she out of her poverty has given all that she has. This passage it's often used in congregations to incite guilt. Like, if the poor widow can give all that she has, two copper coins, then you should be able to give something to the church. But I don't think that's what it is intended for. We are to see, when we read that passage in the context where it occurs the week before Jesus dies, we are to see that the widow is Jesus. Impoverished, giving up so much Jesus basically says to the disciples, look at that woman. I am her. She is me. Scripture makes the point that Jesus' has sacrifices for all people. It's why Paul mentions the Gentiles over and over again in the 15th chapter of Romans. He's quoting the Old Testament because this has been God's plan all along. That the Gentiles would be included. That God's people would bring the Gentiles in. Everyone is included. Jesus sacrifices everything so that everyone is welcome. I have this friend that I can count on. When I look at the cross, I see the clue. My place is in Jesus' embrace. In those arms. And so is yours. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, you know us. You see who we are. You see exactly who we are and you love us. You accept us. And you make a space for us. What is it, Lord, that we could learn by making a space for others? Would you show us how to open our hearts? Would you show us how to open our homes and our tables? Teach us in Christ's name. Amen.